Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. Good, get your Bibles, open them up to the book of James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're also going to be somewhere else, but I'm not going to give that to you until later because it's kind of like a big reveal. <sighs> now, a lot of times when we read this passage of Scripture, it's much simpler for us as individuals to look at this passage of Scripture and to make comments about, well, this is talking about people just being careful about what they say. Although that's true, and it'll preach, okay? There's also... There's also a greater understanding in this passage of Scripture that how is it for someone to say, God told me? Now, the you hear that, do you think God's actually having that kind of conversation with people, with as many people who say, God told me? Let me let me kind of just chase it out a little bit. It's a little bit of a rabbit, so stick with me, okay? If if I as an individual um, say, "Thus says the Lord," then I'm no longer speaking for me. I am now speaking for God. Now, how many of you guys have ever had anybody speak for you? Have you ever had anybody speak for you on your behalf? You ever had that happen? How good are they at doing that? For you, what's the chances that they're going to actually hear it accurately, remember it accurately, and display it accurately? So, I mean, it's not that big of a deal if I misquote Doug, right? I mean, it's it's a big deal. Now, it's not nearly as big of a deal as if I misquote something that God said, right? So we find it pretty simple for us as individuals to run around and just feel like saying, I'll tell you right now, people who run around all the time and say God said or God told me and it has nothing to do with them and always has something to do with someone else, that should be a red flag. God told me what you need to do. <laughs> you know, that's not how it works most of the time. God tells you what you need to do. <laughs> and then he also gave us 66 books. I mean, is there a very widely known thing for God to just almost verbally come out and speak to people? It's not. It's not common, but it's not because God's not common with it. It's because people aren't in that place. It's one of these things where if we have the ability to misrepresent God in anything that we say, then we're misrepresenting his entire plan. And anytime I see somebody say, God told me, do you know how many times I have a scripture passage to back it up? None. Matter of fact, I've even had people tell me, God told me, and it was completely, absolutely, directly in conflict with God's word. Happens all the time. People do it all the time. The danger is this. If we start using God for an excuse to sin, that carries a hefty penalty. And when we say, but God told me, do you know how many people that I have, that I have counseled who are going through divorces, who sat there and told me that it was God's will that they divorced their 
spouse. It's not in there. I mean, I can be honest with you. I can sit down in there and we can, I even have problems with abusive relationships. I have issues with it. Don't get me wrong. It's a conflict. Because the conflict is in an abusive relationship, you don't want a person to stay in it. But there's nothing biblically that lays out specifically that a woman has the right to leave because of an abusive relationship. It doesn't say it. It does not say it. There's two reasons to leave your spouse. Hear it out. Hear me out. Two reasons in the Bible to leave your spouse. One, they die. Two, they're unfaithful. And I'm not talking about unfaithful in a phone call, unfaithful in a, a whistle or a wink, or I'm talking about have gone and slept with another person, physically committed the act. You have God's permission to walk away from it. It's only two reasons. So why do people run around and say things like that anyway? Well, we'll get to that. James chapter 3, start with verse 1. And this gives us context to the chapter. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. So here's the deal. And this is something I had to deal with very early on. It's something I still deal with quite a bit, but it was much rougher way early on. When you teach a Bible study or you prepare a sermon, doesn't matter what those, what those I mean, if you sit down at a Sunday school class and you're teaching people the Bible, who are you speaking for? You're speaking for God. When I stand in this pulpit and I preach, whatever message I preach, who am I speaking for? I'm speaking for God. How serious should I take that? I have people who say, eight hours on a sermon, really? 25% of that time spent in preparing the sermon. I mean, pretty, I know quite a bit of the Bible already and praying over it and, and studying it. And 75% of that time is me trying to rip it apart doctrinally. Because if it does not terrify you to accept that responsibility, it should. Because anytime you sit down at a, at, a, at a desk to teach a Sunday school class, or you stand on a pulpit to preach, or you even go evangelizing on the street, you are speaking with God. You are speaking for God. And that should be a very big deal. It should be something we're extremely cautious about. We will incur a much stricter judgment. Why will those who become teachers I want you to look at how that reads carefully. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. In other words, you ever had people who walked up to a calling and they go, you know what, after I've spent a little time looking at that, I decided it's probably not best for me. Is there anything wrong with that? No, everything's right with that. Because honestly, if somebody walks up to me and says, hey, I want to be a teacher at this church, and I don't believe that you're going to prepare to make sure that what you're speaking is actually what God would say, we're going to have an issue. An embarrassing one. The things that are going on in the world right now around us, God doesn't need any help destroying his character anymore he doesn't need it 
Fact is, do you even have to say anything for you to be God's spokesperson? You're a Christian. You've heard me stand here before and tell you, this is speaking specifically about someone becoming a teacher of God's word, but every one of us are a teacher. We already are. Just a matter of what you're teaching. Are you teaching things that are doctrinal? Is it easy for us to turn away from parts of the passages of Scripture because it's convenient for life? We struggle like we struggle. The one that we are actually putting all of the eggs in his basket, the one that we're banking on having all the strength to get us through this and all of the grace to get us through this and all the mercy to get us through this, that's the one that if we're not careful, we run around and misquote. It's a serious penalty. We'll get to the penalty in a little while. But it's a serious penalty. Verse 2 says this, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they may, so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Now the focus here, such a, a great forest fire, is started from such a small flame. How many of you have ever said, said anything and said it absolutely innocently, but it was mischaracterized by someone and completely turned to mean something entirely different? As Christians, we should be people who are more cautious than this. But the truth is, and I believe this wholeheartedly based on, <clears throat> based on my own experiences, based on what I've seen, we use God consistently to get what we want. How is that not hurting people? How's that not destroying because anytime I'm the focus, there's a problem. Everybody else is going to, they're going to cater to my needs or I'm not going to be happy. And this, this attitude is an attitude that, honestly, we run around throwing, well, God told me to do this. Well, God told me to do that. Well, God told me to do this. Well, at what point do you say, are you sure it's God? Um... One of my kids watched a video the other day and actually texted me because it freaked him out. And this woman, this girl, young girl, she had cancer. She's taking cancer treatments. Her hair's all uh, was all missing. And, and uh, this girl's telling the story about her praying. And she said, in the middle of my prayer, I heard the Lord say something about my um, about my um, deficiencies. And she said, it dawned on me, and I stopped. Would God ever talk about your deficiencies? Not in, not in just a regular conversation. I mean, do you think you have any? Hold on now, I want you to think about this. 
do you think that you have any deficiencies? Because <clears throat> what's a deficiency? It's, it's a lack of something that takes you, removes you from the norm, right? So what's the reality? On some scale, all of us are sliding around up and down on this scale. All of us are. We'll use God for justification to do things, and we'll use God for justification not to do things. And one of the hardest things I can tell you as a pastor to do is to determine which one's him and which one's me. Because the fact is, God will not pick out, he will not point out your flaws because he created you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, and you don't have any. You hear me? I mean, we can look in the mirror. We can talk about our health difficulties. We can talk about our struggles and our challenges. Do you honestly think God looks at you and sees flaws? Not according to what my Bible says. My Bible says when he looks at me, he sees Christ. The number of people who have tried to question my calling, the number of people who question their own, and there's nothing wrong with questioning these callings. But you got to understand how destructive it is. I'm going to use myself for an example here. Don't any one of you walk out of here saying preachers bragging because I'm not bragging. Jesus gets the glory for every bit of this. I mentioned before over 2,500 kids have come to know Jesus Christ in 20 years at Bates Creek Camp. Now, I'd be a fool to think that that was all because of me and that Bates Creek Camp wouldn't be going, wouldn't be going on anyway. I'd be a fool to think that. God has the ability to do that stuff. But for 20 years, 2,500 kids come to know him. Many came to be pastors and youth pastors and, and uh, music ministry leaders. And What's the effect if I would have stuck to my guns? Nope, I'm not going to be a senior pastor. Or nope, I just turned 18 years old. I'm not going to be out of the youth group and just run right into teaching the youth group. What if I said, nope, I'm not going to be ordained as a deacon. Nope, I'm not going to work for the association. Every one of these things were obviously things that God was calling me to do. If I had not done them, what would have been the consequences? At least some lost people would still be lost. It's truth. I mean, you can't tell me that you, you drop Christians in the world who know and proclaim the gospel and that their actions mean nothing. You're never going to convince me of that. And if their actions mean something, then if their actions are not being committed, then the actions that would be mean nothing. Because they don't exist. Do you trust me? I hope so. The fact is, folks, thus saith the Lord, has the potential of destroying you. I've said many times since I've been here, you come to Highland, you sit down in the pew, I give you a scripture passage, open your Bible and follow it. Even if we put it up on the screen, open your Bible and follow it. Check me. I'm going to say something to you, probably occasionally, that's going to make you walk out of here scratching your head. Check it. Don't ever take anybody's word for anything. Because I can promise you, God will never create a scenario that is going to make life for you worse. 
He won't ever create us. The God that I serve says he'll never put more on you than you can handle. He says that even in your temptations, you'll never be tempted to the point that he won't provide you a way out. You're always going to have a door, an exit. The relationship that we have with him is supposed to be more about him speaking with us. But the fact is, what's God's number one way to speak to you? What's his number one way to speak to you? 66 books of the Bible. It's his number one way to speak to you. Now, my question is, we can run around and we can say, thus saith the Lord. But how much time are we actually spending in his word hearing what the Lord's saying to us? Because a person who's really interested in hearing the Lord, it doesn't happen by some antidote, by somebody coming in here and giving you a formula. It's, it, there's, no, there's really no secret to this. You want a relationship with God, study his word. You want a relationship with God, have faith in him. You want a relationship with God, fear him. Yes, I said fear him. Somebody asked me why I don't say thus saith the Lord. If I am not 100% sure, if it does not line up with Scripture, if I have not heard him scream it in my ear, I'm not saying it. Because I'm scared of him. Yeah, I use the right word. Any you guys ever a kid? You ever do something you weren't supposed to? Now, you loved your dad, probably. I mean, chances are you loved your dad. You knew that he would never do anything to completely snuff your life out. Or did you? That kind of fear. The kind of fear that before something comes out of your mouth that you know is going to slap God across the face, you go, whoa. It interjecting in conversations that you don't know the scriptures. I've seen people do that too. Well, God told me, well, yeah, but why did he tell you? And I love it when people who are church members come up to me, put their arm around me, and they go, hey, I don't know if you've noticed, but the Lord's been speaking to me a lot lately. And I'm like, well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm the pastor of this church, and he hasn't said any of the stuff to me that he's saying to you. Who's saying it? Who told the woman about her flaws in her prayer? And my child's surprise was this. Satan can enter my prayers while I'm praying? You better believe it. Not only can he, will he. We're not going to make it all the way through this. Made the point, though. Let's go back, to, go back to Deuteronomy. All the way back to Deuteronomy. Sorry, i got to get my notes. You don't have them with me. Lucked out. Yeah. Deuteronomy 13, chapter 13.
Read with me, starting with verse 1. We're going to read verse 1 through 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Prophet shows up, says, thus saith the Lord. And it does not come true. Penalty? This is corporal punishment, folks. This is the equivalent of treason in the spiritual world. Because you don't speak for God unless you know for a fact that you're speaking for God. It will get you killed. Fear him? Yes. Now, does this mean you should never speak for God? No. Doesn't mean that at all. You get so scared you turn tail and run away from it, that's just as bad as misquoting him. Because that's faithless and unfaithful. What do you do? You approach with caution. You approach with caution. If, if, if you sit down and study for eight hours for a Bible study or a sermon, and you get three quarters of the way through this thing, and you are just so uncomfortable that you can't stand it, guess what you shouldn't do? Don't preach it and don't teach it. Because the fact is, you haven't dealt with it yet. It's still an issue in your life. The Lord won't ask anybody to go do something before they're ready. He won't ask them not to go do something when they're ready. The Lord is the one who is supposed to be guiding and directing us. He is not only the air that we breathe, the bread that we eat, but he is literally every molecule that surrounds us. And he is God and we are not. And what he says, he has a purpose behind saying it. He's looking to accomplish something through what it is that he's saying and he's doing. What does it do when we misquote that? Complicates it. Misleads people. Hurts people. Thus saith the Lord. Just how many things can you say with affirmation that the Lord said? The Bible's full of them. I'm going to give you a trick. Somebody ever walks up to you and says, Hey, you know what God told me about you? Tell them to show you in the Bible. 
I guarantee you they can't do it. 90% of the people can't do it. Now, you occasionally run across somebody who's really in tune with their faith, and they're in tune with God, and those individuals do. And those are the individuals who, if you, if you sit back and say, I'm going to need you to prove what it is that you have to say with Scripture, and that dude will prove what, what he has to say with Scripture. Because that's what intelligent people do. If the Lord comes to me and says, hey, murder your wife in her sleep, pretty easy to figure out. That probably wasn't God, right? Because in all of the places in the scripture that says that you're not supposed to murder, not only that, but you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church so much that he gave his life up for her, not that she gave her life up for him. People misquote scripture all the time. I, I have a family member who, um, the unequally yoked passage of scripture. Do not be unequally yoked. See, black and white people ain't supposed to marry each other. See, he says it right there. Back this family member in a corner one day and I said, finish it. He said, what do you mean? I said, finish it. You can't stop there. Finish it. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, was that accurate back in the back in the Old Testament days? Absolutely it was. Because race was separated by nation. And nations all served their own gods. So yeah, back in the Old Testament, God was saying, no, don't go over to this place and get you a wife and bring her back to Israel because she's going to have strange gods and she's going to be bringing them to us. There's a point to that. It wasn't, hey, you know, unequally yoked is two people with different colored skin marrying each other. Hogwash. But you'll hear people say it. We had people who came to this church because of a, a little church up the street, Bethel Baptist Church, Independent Baptist Church. Went to the passage of scripture in Corinthians chapter 7 where the apostle Paul said, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. So you know what rule they made? Don't hug. Can't even shake a woman's hand if you're a man. And women, don't you be shaking men's hands either because it is not good for a man to touch a woman. The passage of scripture that hope people are hurt them. Hurt them. You know why? You guys have no idea how much I need a hug. My wife gives good ones, but those are for me. <laughs> People are hurting. If someone's hurting, are you seriously not going to walk up to them and try your best to encourage them? And then to turn around and say, God doesn't want me to help them? Thus saith the Lord, that's the problem with this whole thus saith the Lord thing. The problem is when he didn't say it, it hurts people. And there's a blast radius. God's not the one with his finger on that button. Satan is. And when Satan causes an explosion, he doesn't just go for the epicenter. He wants a radius and he wants to take as many people in that radius as he possibly can. In order for him to do it, all he has to do is mislead people. And how easy today are people to mislead? You say, well, what does all this have to do with Jesus? It has everything to do with Jesus. And I say it has everything to do with Jesus because you're a Christian. A little Christ. So you are supposed to be out there in the world representing him. But being very careful that he's the one we're representing and that we're not the ones we're representing. 
because I've seen people use the phrase to make themselves perceive a little, be perceived a little more spiritual. I've seen people who used it because it gave them authority in other individuals' lives. They use, individuals use that intentionally to gain a position of power over people. And I'm here to tell you, it is a dangerous place to stand. Dangerous place to stand. Thus saith the Lord. Better hope that he did. Or better yet, be sure that he did before you say it. Because you can't put that genie back in the bottle. Just like the toothpaste, putting it back into the toothpaste tube. Once it's done, it's done. And its effect, it's going to have its effect on the people that are around us. This is why it's important for us to act like Christians, for us to speak like Christians. It's because we are representing him out there, and we must represent him clearly. Not with any part of what we think or any part that we may assume, but we tell the world about God just as who he is. We don't, we don't need to fascinate this story anymore make it look better or sound better or draw any attention away from that gospel. And the truth is, I like you more alive. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the day's coming. You're going to take your last breath. I mean, we know that that's a fact, right? But I just hope that it happens based on natural circumstances and not because God went, that's it. Enough, enough misrepresenting me. Does he do that all the time? Thank God, no. Do I believe he does it sometimes? There's been an awful lot of things that have happened that sure would be big coincidences if it wasn't. Am I going to stand up here and say, thus saith the Lord, though? Nope. When we give our life to Christ, we made a commitment. And that commitment is regardless of good times, bad times, high times, low times. That we're going to trust him. And if we trust him, then we feel no need to manipulate what it is that he's given us. People who genuinely trust him are the people who willingly read his word, come to know him, and then are sanctified by what it is that they read. Just simply in faith. A prophet? A prophet, the definition of a prophet, is someone who speaks uh, an absolute truth under the leadership of, of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> That's a prophet. Someone who speaks an absolute truth under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Are there any prophets today? Yep. But a prophet speaks what God tells him to speak. A prophet doesn't speak on their own initiative or for their own purpose. We say what we want to say, what God wants to say, and we say it how God wants us to say it. And those things are important. You want to grow? Grow. But grow in the truth. Don't allow yourself to fall into the side where you fall into this gap of not really knowing who God is and taking it lightly 
when we do anything that he's called us to. Because it shouldn't be taken lightly. A whole lot of people in the world playing games with this. To them, it's a game. And a lot of people learn to play it well. But the day of reckoning is coming. And it's already happening for some. You trust in Jesus? That's good. Don't just think you're going to walk away with a fuzzy feel good. Because this carries a lot of responsibility. It does. Just to say you trust in him carries a lot of responsibility. And I'm here to tell you, hear me. If you think that the devil won't throw anything possible in your path to try to stop that, you're crazy. Because he will. He will use your family. He will use your friends. He will use your circumstances. He will use your job. He will use your church to keep you away from him. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Because if we trust in him, we trust in his mission. If we trust in his mission and his purpose, we trust in his policies. And if we trust in his policies, then all we have to do is be obedient. It's that simple. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus, come up here, talk to me. I can't save you, but I'll spend as much time as I, as I need to to make sure that you know the one who, who can. If you're here today as a believer, I hope that you're armored up <clears throat> and that you're ready <clears throat> for the fight that's coming. And I say that not because, um, not because I think something special is coming, but just because I know that we're on a slippery slope. This world's continuing to get worse. We're seeing it on a day-to-day basis. Um, there's no better time to make sure that what it is that you're growing in is real. No better time. I, I, I have this sneaky suspicion, possibly in my lifetime, the, the boys are going to be separated from the men. And I don't mean internment camps. I mean, there's going to come time for us to decide whether this faith that we've followed is real. And I'm a little bit anxious about how everybody's going to handle that. Do you trust him? Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash BC. Have a blessed week, and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link, with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.